Hi, welcome back to Torah Timecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Shechter, and today we will be studying Parsha Toldos. Okay, so Toldos, a lot going on in Parsha's Toldos, some difficult things going on in Parsha's Toldos. Toldos begins in the, in the middle of Parakhaf Hay, and um, Yitzchak and Rivka have just gotten married. We're told that Yitzchak is 40, and he gets married to Rivka, and Rivka is infertile. She's in Akara. They daven together for children, and then Rivka becomes pregnant, and then Yaakov and Esav are born. Esav sells his birthright to Yaakov for lentil soup, and that's pretty much how the Parsha ends. Parak Chavav. There's a famine, a ra'av in Eretz Canaan. Yitzchak goes to Avimelech, Melech Plishtim, in Grar. Hashem had told him not to leave Eretz Canaan. Yitzchak, unlike Avraham, um, never left Eretz Canaan. And he was told not to go to Eretz Mitzrayim like Avram was, so he stays in Gerar. He does very well for himself in Gerar, and the people become jealous of him. The Plishtim are jealous of him. And in fact, the Plishtim stuff up the wells that Avram had dug, that Yitzchak's father Avram had dug. The Plishtim stuffed them up. It's interesting, Avraham, one of Avraham's ways of doing Kirov was he would dig wells for people, which was very valuable for people at that time, and he would name the wells after Hashem. So it was it was good marketing. Um, you know, people would say, hey, you know, go to the God is one well. And uh, and that's how he would spread the word of Hashem. So the, the people in Gerar who were jealous of Yitzchak, they stuffed up the wells of Avraham, and um, and Yitzchak redug them. And it's interesting, then, you know, then... Um, Avimelech calls Yitzchak and he tells him uh, basically that he's kicking him out. It's fascinating that this Perk Chavav and Breshid is the, basically the first expulsion in Jewish history, unfortunately not the last. And what does he say to him? Melech Grar, he says, Leich me'imanu ki ma'od. You have to get out of here, leave us, because ma'od. you got rich, you got too powerful, and it's interesting, from us, or then us, meaning you either got rich and powerful from us, like eating off the fat of our land, or you became richer or more powerful than us, um, which is really, you know, the source of anti-Semitism and the source of the expulsions, unfortunately, throughout our history. And this is just the very first one. They're very jealous of him. Anyway, Yitzchak goes and he redigs all the wells. He basically continues Avraham's work. And the parak ends with Esau getting married to Canaanim, to two Canaani women, and... Um, his parents and Yitzchak and Rivka are not happy. And that's uh, definitely foreboding. What happens in Parak Chafzayin is the most famous story in Parsha Toldot, which is um, Yitzchak wanting to give a bracha to Esav and then um, Esav and then Yitzchak, and, sorry, and then Rivka telling Yaakov to trick his father and dress up like Esav and, stay, and steal the bracha. So that's a very, very interesting parak, and obviously we have so many different questions about this. First of all, there's a lot of mafarshim that talk about why would Yitzchak want to give the bracha to Esav in the first place? Like we know it says that Rivka loved Yaakov and Yitzchak loved Esav, and Kitzayid Bafiv, maybe it was conditional because he got him food, because he hunted, and maybe Yitzchak's eyes were, I mean, we're told Yitzchak's eyes were weak. What does that mean? He didn't really know who Esav was. One of my favorite Mepharshim is Rav Avraham who writes about 
that um, about why Yitzchak wanted to give a bracha to Esav, and it wasn't because he didn't know who Esav was. You know, like some of the other Mepharshim say, his eyes were weak, he didn't recognize Esav's evilness. But no, he absolutely knew who Esav was. It's a beautiful parenting idea. And says Ram ben Rambam, he wanted Esav to be better. It was chinuch, you know, what are you going to do? You, the kid's going off the derech, so you're going to keep bashing him, you're going to keep being disappointed in him and yelling at him and screaming at him. So maybe Yitzchak wanted to give the bracha to Esav because he wanted to build him up. He wanted him to feel good about himself. And maybe that would be positive in terms of Esav's future path. Maybe it would be impacting on him. So it's a very insightful parenting um, perspective uh, uh, coming from Rav ben Arambam about Yitzchak giving Esav the bracha. Anyway, Rivka tells Yaakov to steal the bracha from, from, from his father. Yaakov is hesitant, fascinating. The Pasuk says, when Yaakov says to Rivka, um, his response to Rivka is, wait, I, I, I should really do this? He says, maybe my father will feel me. I, I feel different than Esav. He's not going to, he's going to know that it's not Esav. So that those three words, you could tell from those three words that Yaakov was not happy about doing this. He was doing this because his mother told him to do it, but he was not happy about it. How do we see that? From the word ulai. Ulai means maybe. There are actually two words for maybe in Hebrew. One of them is ulai, and the other one is shema. Now, shema is more like negative, like maybe, but not hopeful, like lest is the English word. And, and ulai means maybe, but hopeful. We, we don't have a distinction in English. If we say, you know, maybe it'll rain and my trip will be canceled is the same maybe as maybe it'll be a nice day and I'll be able to go on my trip. It's the same maybe. It's hopeful or not hopeful. In Hebrew, you have ulai and shema. And if, in fact, Yaakov was really worried and not hopeful that his father would, would catch him, that his father would feel him and realize that he's not who he's saying he is, then he should have used the word Shema, Shema Yimusheni Avi, and not Ulai. Ulai is like hopeful, like maybe he'll feel me. And I think that the, and realize that I'm tricking him and realize that I'm not Esav. And I think that maybe, and you see in the Mepharshim, that maybe the Medrash talks about this, that maybe this shows that Yaakov really was kind of hopeful to get caught. He didn't want to get away with this. He didn't want to do this, and the Ulai is hopeful here. Maybe my father will feel me, and maybe he'll realize that it's not Esav, and maybe I won't get away with it. So the question is, why did Rivka feel compelled to do this? And clearly she did the right thing, because she tells him very, very strongly, Shmabikoli, similar to reflecting, and similar to the words that Hashem says to Sarah in the previous parsha which uh, we didn't even talk about this section, I touched on it, but um, when Sarah tells Avram to send Hagar and Yishmael away, and Hashem says to Avram, listen to what she's saying. The same way, because, because you know, she was right. The same way that he's telling, um, the same way that Rivka is telling Yaakov here, Listen to me, Shmabakoli, listen to what I'm saying. I, I understand something that needs to be done. And I think what Rivka's doing here is very similar to what Sarah did in with this in Parshas Vayera with the story of Hagar and Yishmael. That the same way that Sarah in the previous story saw some 
something wrong. She saw that there was a threat to the Jewish people. She saw that Yitzchak was being made fun of, that Yishmael was mitzachek. He was laughing at Yitzchak. And Sarah was afraid, perhaps, that if Yitzchak was made fun of by Yishmael, it wasn't just an older brother mocking a younger brother, but it was an older brother making him feel, making the younger brother feel bad or embarrassed about where he came from. And if Yitzchak was made to be embarrassed about who he was, then what happens to the future of the Jewish people? What happens if he doesn't want to follow in his parents' footsteps? What if Yishmael is making him feel like a freak? Look, your parents are so old, you're such a freak, and then Yitzchak doesn't want to follow in his parents' footsteps. What happens to the future of the Jewish people? So that's why Sarah had to act in this way which is really against her values. She was always bringing people into her home and now she's kicking people out. But that's why Hashem said, this is something, this is the right thing to do. This is what needs to be done. So I think that Rivka is doing a very similar thing in this story. Rivka saw a threat to the future of the Jewish people. What's the threat that Rivka saw? Now remember, Rivka is privy to a piece of information that Yitzchak wasn't. Yitzchak is thinking that both my children are going to be chosen to be the future of the Jewish people. Why? He knew that he was chosen and Ishmael wasn't, but the difference between him and Ishmael was the mother, that he was the son of Sarah and Ishmael was not. But in his situation, he has twins and both, and with Rivka, and Rivka is both of their mothers. And therefore, why would they not both be chosen to be the future of the Jewish people? And that's why perhaps Yitzchak assumed that they were both going to work together, that Esav was the strong one, Yaakov was the, was the spiritual one, the strong spiritual one, not the strong physical one. And therefore, if he's going to give a bracha to Esav, he's going to give him the bracha of physicality, and he'll work together with Yaakov, and Yaakov together with the spiritual side of Yaakov. It's almost like a Ruvain, like a Zvulun, Yisachar Zvulun situation. Now again, if you look at the bracha that Yitzchak was going to give to Esav, it wasn't the bracha of the Jewish people. That bracha, only Hashem has the authority to give. Only Hashem gives that bracha, that you'll be a source of blessing to the world. This bracha that, that Yitzchak was going to give to Esav, look at the bracha that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov, thinking he was Esav. It's a bracha of physicality. The dew of the heavens and the fat of the land. It was a bracha of being strong physically. So again, from Yitzchak's perspective, Yesav will be the strong, the physically strong one. Yaakov will be the spiritually strong one. They'll work together in this great partnership, like I said, like Yisachar and Zvulin, and they'll be very successful. Rivka was privy to a piece of information that Yitzchak doesn't seem to have here. Why? Great question. Clearly a lack of communication here at some point, a breakdown of communication. But what happened was, remember when Yitzchak and when Rivka was pregnant with Yaakov and Esav and she was experiencing pain and she went and by Tzu, the boys, the twins were fighting in utero and it was, and she was in pain and she went to Hashem. She went to ask Hashem and Shem, Hashem's response to her was, you are carrying two different nations and they're going to be at odds with each other. So Rivka's privy to this information. Why that wasn't communicated? Great question. Maybe she assumed Yitzchak knew. But in the meantime, when she heard that Yitzchak's going to give this bracha to Esav, she knew that this was a threat to the future of the Jewish people. Because if Esav is given the bracha, bracha physicality and and she knows that he's going to be at odds with Yaakov, so that puts Yaakov in danger. And that's why she had to act in this way and told Yaakov to trick his father, which was not ideal, but it was something that needed to be done. 
um, the part, difficult story, difficult story, but something again that needed to be done because Rivka recognized a future threat to the Jewish people. And then finally, the parsha ends with Parak Chavchet when Esav is so angry at Yaakov, wants to kill him. Yaakov runs away, and I'll leave you with one last thought. Yaakov runs to Lavan's house, and we're told that he runs to the house of Lavan, who is Achi Rivka, Aim Yaakov Esav, who is the brother of Rivka, who is the mother of Yaakov and Esav. And of course, all the Mepharshim ask, come on, there's no extra words in the Torah. We just went through this whole story. Do we not know that Rivka was the mother of Yaakov and Esav? You want to tell us that Lavan was the brother of Rivka? Fine, you could tell us that. And the Mepharshim point out, and maybe it's pointing that out because, you know, Rivka has a brother like Lavan, but still look what she became and look who she gave birth to and, and look who she married. So there's hope, you know, Yaakov is running away and he wants, he needs to find a wife and Maybe, you know, the message was you could find a good wife in Lovin's house. Look, 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 Rivka was great and she was in Lovin's house. But the bigger question is, why does it say Aim Yaakov Esav? So the brother of Rivka, we understand, but the mother of Yaakov and Esav, don't we know that already? And there's a lot of different explanations. Maybe, you know, she shows that she cares about both of them. She's she's telling Yaakov to run away, not just as his mother to protect him, but also as Esav's mother, because she doesn't want Esav to become a murderer. But there's a whole bunch of different explanations. Rashi says something fascinating here. One of the very few times that Rashi says this, Rashi brings down the Dibor HaMatril, Aim Yaakov Esav, and says four words, Eini Yodea Melamdenu. I, I do not know what we learned from here. And I'll leave you with that thought. Why does Rashi bring down the Dibra Amnathil? A, why does he bring it down if he says he doesn't know what we learned from it? And seriously, do you think that Rashi doesn't know what we learned from this? Like Rashi couldn't come up with any explanation. So I'll let you think about it. Talk about it at your Shabbos tables. Maybe Rashi wants to teach us a lesson that you don't have to have all the answers always. And sometimes it's good to say, I don't know what's learned by this. And we should think about it and think about what could possibly be the answer to this. I think there's a parenting piece here. And whenever Rashi says, I don't know what's learned from here, there's always a very important message that Rashi wants us to talk about and analyze and come up with. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for learning together with the OU's Women's Initiative. Looking forward to learning together again next week.